What's up, y'all? Good to see everybody. Welcome. There are, there are new faces here. I'm, I'm Dale. I'm one of the lay pastors, um, and I'm excited to preach. I, I get a couple of these a year, and so, um, yeah, I, I'm giddy right now, and it was sweet to sing together. Um, so I don't know um, about you, but w- when you chose to follow Jesus, I just want a question to start. Uh, when you chose to follow Jesus, what did you think your life would be like? If that's recently, that may be an easier thought. If that was a long time ago, that may be a harder thought. But just when you said, hey, I'm going to follow Jesus, what did you think that was going to entail here? Because uh, in Jesus' ministry, we see that there are a lot of people that follow Jesus for a lot of different reasons, right? Like some people come to Jesus because they think he's going to be a king in this life. They think he's going to gain political power. They think he's going to be wealthy. He's going to be the ruler, you know, and so they want to be a part of that. And some people uh, follow him because there are crowds. Jesus, in his ministry, in these three years, he's a celebrity. Everywhere he goes, he can't get away. He goes on boats to get away, and they follow him, you know, like they're trekking into the water. I mean, it's kind of an intense crowd that follow him. And so some people just follow him because that's kind of the popular thing to do. Um, And what we see in Luke's gospel is we've been walking through it, and what we're going to see in a couple chapters is that Luke demands a purified allegiance to Jesus demands it. In, in Luke 14, Jesus says there's a cost to be his disciple. There's a cost. And it's great. He's, Jesus is very upfront. It's a great cost. He says if anybody is going to follow him, he must give up everything you have or you can't be my disciple. Huge cost, right? And I want to start here because uh, I'm convicted, I'm convinced that Many people, many people say they're Christians, but they don't actually follow Jesus. They, they don't actually surrender to Jesus, right? Like they're part of the crowd, but they're not really walking the road Jesus put forward. And, and th- this kind of rubs me because I often see these kinds of people grow bitter at God eventually, right? Because they, they, they start following him, they start kind of... Um, you know, going, they took his name and then they feel like they got cheated. God, I'm a Christian now. I'm part of this church. I'm around in the crowd. And, but I'm just as kind of miserable as before. Or I'm just as, I'm no different than I was before. Right? I mean, I'm sure people in this room have felt that way. There have been times I've felt that way, right? That I feel like, God, I'm doing what you said. Like, I'm, 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 I'm a Christian, and yet I don't have any of the fruit you talk about. I don't, I don't have the joy or the peace or the patience or the kindness. Like, that list isn't me, God. Right? If, if any of this resonates with you, I just, good news right off the bat. The promises of God never fail. That's not a, uh, it sounds cliche, but it's just true. It's more true than anything else you could, you could show me. Um, they really never fail. So I'm going to press tonight a little bit uh, that if you don't experience, I guess, the, the fruit of the Spirit, if you don't experience the joy of God um, on the whole, um, maybe there's a chance you're not really surrendered to God on the whole. Maybe uh, God, God didn't fail to keep up his end of the bargain. Maybe you never walked the road he called you to. You took the name, we took the name, we said we're Christians, but we never followed in his footsteps. Okay? And I just want you to personally wrestle with, with one question tonight. We're going to walk, we're going to jump in. I just have one big question I want you to think about. Um, are you fully surrendered to Jesus in every part of your life? I'm not talking about are you a Christian? I'm not, <laughs> answer that however you want. Are you fully surrendered to Jesus in every part of your life? That's the question for tonight, okay? I start here because I've, I've been super burdened by this text. More than any other sermon, it's a short list, but more than any other sermon that I preach, this one's just kind of punched me in the face. Uh, it's convicted me a lot. I mean, I've realized um, that there are areas of my life in which I'm not surrendered to Jesus. There's a lot of them. When I sit down and just kind of run through the list, I realize, man, there, there are places in which I'll follow God, but only so far. There are, there are locked doors in that house, in my house. Right there, there are limits. I'll give God this stuff and I won't give him the other stuff. 
I see that. And, and that's why this text is just hitting me because it's just true in my heart. I don't want it to be. I genuinely do not want it to be. Um, and I'm just trying to lay those down. But I do know this, church. Do you know this? this is going to, unfortunately, it's kind of heavy. You know, thanks for visiting. But uh, <laughs> I do know this. And I pray we hear it tonight. I pray we hear it tonight. Jesus is worth the loss of everything. That, that is true. He's worth it. Like no one else or nothing else in the universe, Jesus is worth it. You, you're not a fool if you surrender everything for Christ. You're not at all a fool. He's worth every sacrifice. He's worth every struggle. He's worth every suffering, every, every pain, every problem that you go through in this life. For his kingdom is worth it, church. Absolutely worth it. Because only Jesus washes away our sins. Nobody else can do that. Nobody. Only Jesus is going to crown us in glory. Nobody else has that power. Only Jesus. Only Jesus can rise from the dead and overcome death for us all. This is in Christ alone. He's worth it, church. We're going to see this as we go. But I just want to start there. Um, I'm going to pray and then, and then we'll jump in. God, thank you for um, thank you for singing. God, just so good to sing with your with your family. I I, um, I can't wait to sing with all of your family one day. Um, that'll be awesome. And God, I thank you that you tell us the truth. Um, you're not here to to just um, tickle our ears. You're not here to just kind of comfort us for a moment. God, you want our eternal joy. You want life abundant. And you're going to be ruthless to pursue it, God, more than we would. God, we would pull back. When the hill's uh, tough to climb, God, we give up. And you say push over. There's life at the top. There's life over the hill. There are fields. There are streets of gold. There's, there's hope. And so I just pray, God, that we would, we would be um, freed, liberated, to, to surrender parts of our life that we've been holding on to tonight. I need you, God. I uh, need you with my thoughts. I need you with the Spirit to, to guide me, to give me discernment. I, we need you here. This is, this is all worthless if you don't do something. But we know you're, you're here. You're in us. We're your temple. And so we lift this time up in your name. Amen. Amen. Okay, if you got a Bible, we'll be in Luke 12, 22. Um, in this text, uh, Jesus is teaching his followers how to avoid being the person we heard about last week. So if you weren't with us last week or you don't remember, Jesus told a parable about the rich fool. Uh, and in that story, the rich fool uh, uh, had an abundant harvest, okay, had an abundant harvest. And he kind of sits down and goes, okay, what am I going to do with it? And he decides, I'll build some bigger barns and some storehouses, so that I can kind of save it up, I'll, I can stretch it out my whole life, I'll, I'll be able to eat, drink, and be merry, okay? And then God shows up and says, hey, tonight your life is going to be taken from you, and all of the things that you amassed are going to be gone, they're going to be worthless, right? That, that's the rich fool. Abundant harvest, bigger barns, death, and, and it is gone. So Jesus today is going to contrast that. He's going to tell us how not to be that person. Jesus is our personal financial advisor today, uh, consultant today, to say, don't be a fool. I'm going to tell you how not to be a fool. If you don't want to be a fool, here we go, right? It's going to, I'll just say right from the start, it's going to sound, uh, <laughs> it might sound foolish to you, but we trust the word of God here. We trust that he knows better, that, that, that Father knows best here, okay? So uh, if, you're, if you have your Bible, let's start in verse 22. Then Jesus said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat, or about your body, what you will wear. So, Jesus starts right away. What's the better way to handle money and possessions? Again, don't want to be the rich fool. What's the better way? And he just says, forget about it, right? Like, don't worry about it. Don't, uh, just ways to translate it. Don't be anxious about it. Don't be, don't be consumed with it, fixed on it. Don't set your heart upon it, right? Like this, this kind of like posture of clinging to it. Jesus says, don't be that way, right? That's the command. He's, he's, he's right up front with this. Um, and listen, this is a very hard word. Very, very hard word. If you don't think it's a hard word, you probably aren't thinking through the implications, okay? It's a hard word. Uh, 
And, but even though it sounds crazy, even though it sounds crazy, you just be like, hey, just forget about this kind of material uh, amassing and this kind of good life, comfy life thing. Just, just kind of bow out of that race. Even though that kind of sounds crazy, um, th- there's life in it. There's hope in it. She's going to explain how there's hope in it. Because, church, we're trained in, to worry all the time about money. Like that's, the, that's just the world we live in. Unless you live under a rock, uh, that's the world we live in. We're trained to worry about it, to think about it. To, to, we always want to go to the mall and get more stuff. We always are adding things to our Amazon wish list, right? We're always, we're always thinking about getting another raise. That's not for food and, and housing usually. That's for nicer stuff, right? That's what we want to raise. We want better cars and bigger houses, right? That's, that's the air we're breathing. And Jesus is going to invite us to something better um, because his invitation is just to quit that race. As his people, he's going to invite us to quit that race. That road's for fools. And then he tells us why. Look, look at verse 23. Why should we not worry about this life, the things of this life? For life is more than food and the body more than clothing. So don't worry about this life. Don't get consumed with amassing stuff in this life because he says it's just not the point. There are bigger fish to fry. There's something more important than, than this stuff, right? He, he points... <laughs> He points a, big, a, a bit bigger here. And, and I would just say this is, this is anti the American dream. This is, the, this is different than the American dream. The American dream would be come to America where you can pursue the good life limitlessly. Right? I mean, that's very much what, what this was. This was a land of opportunity, right? Uh, and that had a lot of implications. But I'm just saying there, part of that is just, hey, you can, have a, you can build a great kingdom here. Um, and so I just want you to realize that Every billboard you see, I mean, this is, this is cliche of it, but it's just true. Every billboard, every social media ad, every um, window display, every TV commercial, all of this stuff is inviting us to chase it. It's inviting us to chase it. And I would just say it's lying. I'm saying it's lying. It's trying to put forward a, a lasting happiness that it can't deliver. And, and there is happiness there. So uh, <laughs> I have a buddy who says... I shouldn't say this, but I have a buddy who says, you know, money can't buy me happiness, but, but money can buy jet skis, and they make me happy. Uh, like, there's a moment at which it is happy, right? Like, God, God created all this stuff, too. It's not that it's evil. It, it does bring happiness, but, but God's point is it doesn't last. It, it can't, the, the duration is very short. Very, very, very short. And so you're a fool to chase it. Look at, look at verse 24 through, through 28 here. Consider the ravens. They don't sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wildflowers grow. They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. That's how God clothes the grass of the field which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire. How much more will he clothe you? O you of little faith. So Jesus here uh, doesn't move to defend why we shouldn't chase um, kind of a comfy life here, right? Like that kind of makes sense. But in one sense, the parable of the rich fool already, already kind of illustrated the fact that that's not worth chasing. Jesus, Jesus does something different here. Instead, he, he's trying to answer the question, um, if you or I let go, like let's say we actually stop chasing this stuff. Let's say we, we just say, hey, we're not going to build our kingdom here, right? If we actually let go, can he, can he catch us? Right? That, that, and that feels really practical to me. That, that, I'm glad he answered that question. Uh, can, can he handle it? And, and he, he answers that question two different ways. First, the question is, if we let go, can, can God take care of us? Can God take care of us? And Jesus points to creation here, Right? He goes, uh, the birds say yes. The birds say God can take care of us. They don't farm, and yet they always eat. They, they, they don't construct buildings, and yet they never run out of food, right? The birds say yes, God, God can provide. He points to the flowers. He says, hey, they don't have sewing machines, and they're dressed beautifully. You know, put two and two together. God can provide. God, the birds or, or the flowers say yes. Even the text here, even Solomon, who, who if, you're, if you're not aware, is, is Israel's most prosperous king. 
I mean, he, he was the pinnacle of this. He chased and he got, every, he, he built a great kingdom. Even him, Jesus goes, yeah, he, he wasn't as dressed up as the flowers. Okay? So his first argument is that if you or I let go, if we actually say, you know what, I'm just not going to chase this, this stuff. I'm not going to try to build my kingdom here. I'm going to let go of that. God can provide. Creation is the amphitheater of God's provision. Everywhere you look, that's a reminder. Jesus points to a couple of things, but it's everywhere. The, the second way Jesus kind of answers this question, if, if I let go and stop doing that, will I be okay? Uh, God can provide. But then he goes, can you? He kind of swings it to you like, we know God can, but what makes you think you can? He exposes the reality of worry. <laughs> Just really simple. He, have you ever sat down and, and by worrying added time to your life? Or have you been able to get 24 hour, 25 hours out of a day by worrying? No. Okay. Can you just sit down and stress about money and then your bank account grows? Doesn't happen, right? Jesus is just like very forward about this. <laughs> it's very simple. Um, and, and he's just trying to explain to us that we are powerless. We're more powerless than we think about this stuff. And because I would think this. I'm sure there are plenty of you who think, yeah, but I, I worked my butt off to get what I have. I don't, clearly, I'm able to provide because I've worked and provided, right? And in one sense, I'd say, you're right, mostly. Um, but in another, I'd say, Jesus is talking about a, a different level, a different tier here. Because even, even the birds, I'm sure the birds think they're catching worms. Like, maybe they're insulted, like, God... How, you know, how dare you say that you're providing these worms? I'm catching them, right? Right, that's there. And, but yet Jesus says, God's actually doing it. God's ultimately providing. Yes, they're, they're grabbing the words, but he gave them life. He gives them breath. He gives them mouths. He gives them wings. He put, he put the, the dirt there and the worm there, and he, he sings it all together. God provided that. And in the same way, he looks at you and me and says, yes, you work, but I'm providing for you. We, we walked in here, we're breathing, we're seeing or hearing. Or, all of that kind of stuff today, right now in your life is because God's allowing it. God's empowering it. And so Jesus says, God can provide, look at creation. And secondly, you can't as much as you think. He kind of cuts under the legs and says, you're dependent on God. We are dependent on God. The moment he says, you know what, I'm not going to give you another breath, you're done. You can't control that. He can. Okay? And so, I, I just, I want to pay attention here before we, before we go on. Um, Jesus is interpreting worry, worry about this stuff, as unbelief in God. Do you see that? Unbelief in God. Um, when, when we're worried about this stuff, we're exposing that we don't really think God will take care of us. Right? That, that's why Jesus illustrates this in creation. This is why he illustrates that God can provide. His solution, his fear, his solution to this, his cure to this, is that God can provide. Because your worry is showing that you don't think he can. So he's, tr he's, trying, to, he's trying to comfort you in that. He's trying to give you hope in that. He's trying to give you truth in that. The cure for anxiety is a renewed trust in God. That's, that's, that's the cure. Jesus presents that right at the start. Um, worrying about possessions, friends, is, is, is not neutral. It's unbelief. You're looking up at God and saying, you, you can't take care of me. You can't, you know. And Jesus says, of course he can. Look at the sun comes up every single day. The rain clouds come. The fields are growing. Look, he can. And you can't. Like, what do, you, what do you think? You're one little piece here. You know, you're a grain of sand. What, what did you think? You know? Yeah. So, don't worry about this life because there's more to life. And as we set aside that worry, remember that God will provide for us. That's, that's how Jesus starts here. That's, that's the first movement here. Let's keep going in verse 29. And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Don't worry about it. For the pagan world runs after all such things, and your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. 
So Jesus gives the same command here, right? Don't, don't worry. Don't set your heart on these things. Um, but this time he gives us the better path. The Bible is not a don't do that. It's an invitation to do something better. It really is. That's what, that's what Jesus is offering here. Um, and the better thing that we're presented here is seek the kingdom. Don't chase this stuff. Chase the kingdom. That, that's the alternative. That's the improvement. That's the betterment that, that Jesus offers here. I want to pause for a second. Um, just ask the question, what is Jesus' kingdom? Uh, that's a big phrase, but what is it? And I would say uh, the kingdom of God is, is not... Like you think a kingdom, I think like a land with a people and a king, you know, the whole thing. Um, and there, that's true. There is people and there is land. But fundamentally, I think the kingdom is God's rule and reign. Rule and reign. Um, we, we see this even in the Lord's Prayer, right? Like, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. It's this alignment. The kingdom is, some, is a place and a people and all of this kind of stuff. Creation all aligned with the way God wants it to be. That's the kingdom. That's what seeking the kingdom would be like. And then the question is, okay, well, what does he want it to be like? What's the rule? What's the will? What, you know, like, if it's aligned to his kind of desires, what does he desire? Um, and I would say the kingdom, or God's will in the kingdom, this is good news, is salvation for the world. This is why the Gospels, if you read them, announce repeatedly, there's good news, the kingdom of God is coming. That's tied to good, like, happiness, the kingdom's coming because the kingdom is an announcement that by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, you and I can be saved and adopted into his family. That's, that's God's will in this life. So to seek the kingdom, to seek God's will, and specifically to seek salvation for all people by the blood of Jesus Christ. Okay? That's, that's what I want you to hear. Don't worry about this life. Seek the kingdom. Seek all people knowing and trusting in Jesus. That's the better road, okay? That's the better road. Now, Jesus gives two reasons for making this our primary motivation. Primary motivation to seek his kingdom. First, you can see it here in verse 30. For the pagan world runs after all such things. Jesus wants us to be different than the world. One. Seek the kingdom because I, I want you to be different. I want you to be a light. I want you to be salt. I want you to, to be a display, a light on a, a city on a hill, right? There's, there's that part of it that Jesus wants us to handle this differently. Um, and when we're worried and our heart is consumed with the cares of this life, we're no different. We're just, we're no different, right? That's part of what I was convicted on. I'm no different. Um, and... <laughs> The world seeks comfort in this life, and honestly, it makes sense to me. They have no hope of a God who's going to provide for them, so they got to provide. They have no greater purpose that, that there is eternity and not just the temporary, right? You put those things, you take those two truths out, and of course, it's like, yeah, just eat, drink, and be merry. This life is all there is. If I don't take care of myself, who will, right? So the world makes sense, and yet Jesus goes, but, but you know better. Be different. You know better. We know, church, this is, the, this is the truth. The second reason, what does it say? And your father knows that you need them. Don't be like the world who's chasing after this stuff. Be different because your father knows that you need them. The argument is God will provide for you. You have a greater hope, church. You have a provider, a sovereign provider who is unstoppable. <laughs> be different. Be free to be different. So followers of Jesus can seek the kingdom and trust the needs of this life, which are real, trust the needs of this life to a father who knows about it, cares about it. Just hear this. God knows your needs, but this passage can feel like we're losing what we need. I don't know. Somehow I'm like, oh, why am I lo I'm losing so much? And then he keeps saying, but your father knows that you need them and that they'll come, right? His argument is not that you're going to lose what you need. You're not going to lose the essentials of life. But he's inviting you to pursue something bigger and better. Stop here for a second. Um, real world, how you handle your money should be different than your neighbors or your family or your coworkers. 
That's what Jesus just said. <laughs> don't be like, you know, people who don't know Jesus should handle their money different than the way you and I handle our money because we know Jesus. We have greater hope. It should, be di- it should look different. And this is why Jesus is pressing this stuff because the gospel truly changes and rewires us. We are given a bigger and greater hope. We have a God in heaven who's promising to be our provider, right? The power of the gospel truly hits money. It changes the fact that we don't have to be self-seeking. We don't have to just try to keep out for, for myself. The gospel says you've already have someone who's pursued you unto death to take care of you, not just in this life, but all time. There will be a never a moment where the father goes, crap, I, I, can't, I, can't take, I can't handle what you need. That will never happen. And Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection and the spirit in your life is a guarantee that you, will all, you're an, you're going to inherit the kingdom. Right? That's the power of the gospel here. That's the power to shift. I got to take care of me. I got to build my kingdom here. I got to make this life. I got to eat, drink, and be merry here for tomorrow we die. Jesus says, no. Tomorrow, you, death is coming, but that's not the end, Christian. It gets way better. Way, way, way better. So, this is just, to me, this is, this is what I need. I need to know that I can be free, that I can live differently, that I have a greater hope. And that's what Jesus is trying to press on us tonight. Don't worry about this life. Chase the kingdom. Chase Jesus' rule and reign. Chase salvation for the world. Fully trusting that God will provide for you and that it'll be worth it. Look at, look at verse 32. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. This is awesome. I love that Jesus went straight to fear here. Uh, it makes sense to me. <laughs> um, it, it's just a very natural connection. We, when you think about it, we worry about what we fear happening. Right? We worry about what we fear. So, so if I'm afraid that I might run out of stuff. I'm going to be worried that I'm going to run out of stuff. Right? The fear is driving that anxiety. Right? And so Jesus goes right to that, that fear. Um, personal question. I want you to think about this. Um, are you ever afraid? You don't have to answer out loud. Uh, are you, but be honest with your heart. Are you ever afraid that following Christ won't be worth it? Are you ever afraid that you'll, you'll defer this life, you, you know, you'll quit this rat race, you'll do, you'll, you'll do all this stuff, you'll be generous, all this stuff, and at the end, it just, you, it won't be worth it. Like, you'll get, the trade won't work. You, you, you show up, maybe at heaven, and he'll turn you away, or maybe you show up, and he goes, hey, yeah, I needed somebody to wash the dishes in the dungeon, right? Like, maybe, I have that fear. I have that fear, like, if I actually let go and just live as radically as you call me to, will it be worth it? Will it be enough? I absolutely have that fear. And I take Jesus' inclusion of this little verse, this little verse, as just his real-world understanding that fear is part of this. Like, he's not caught off guard by my fear or yours. Like he, he's, he's, he knows it's coming. Enough so that he wants to speak into it, that he wants to hold our hand through it, that he wants to, to uh, be our hope in it. So Jesus tenderly invites you and me not to be afraid that we're going to lose out in this trade. That if we let go and we seek the kingdom radically and we defer this life, that it, that it won't be worth it. He just says, don't be afraid of that. Don't give in to that fear, church. And this is, his, this is his comfort. Don't be afraid for because your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. The comfort for fear, the cure for fear is this knowledge, this awareness, this belief that the Father, the creator of the universe, is pleased to give you his kingdom. Pleased. That word pleased feels like the the power here, right? It's that God is not reluctant. He doesn't show up and and then he's like, or you don't show up and he goes, ah, crap, you know, I got to take care of another one. That's not the way God works here. When you show up in heaven, he looks at you, crowns you with joy. He will be happy to put his crown on your head. He will be happy to get off his throne and say, welcome home. That's the comfort that Jesus gives you. Don't be afraid that it's not going to be worth it. Don't be afraid that you'll get tricked. God is so happy and eager to give you his kingdom. 
He didn't get stuck in a bad deal. He wants this. Like God, God will be smiling. God is going to throw a party for you because he just wants to party. Right? That's the comfort here. He wants to give you the kingdom. He's delighted. It's his joy to give you the kingdom. This word pleased is the same word um, that is used at Jesus' baptism. Jesus comes out of the water, right? God talks in heaven. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. What an announcement. What a, what a powerful word. The way God looks at Jesus and says, I am pleased with you, son, in all of your perfection, in all of your glory, in all of the way that you are mine. And then he looks at us and says, I am pleased to give you that kingdom. That's crazy awesome. Crazy awesome. Unbelievable. Look at, um, let's look at the next verse here. 33. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will never fail. Where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. We've been told to kind of let go pursuing the comforts of this life. Like making them our aim, our primary motivation. Right? We're shifting off that. She's saying, hey, just let go of that and chase something bigger. Chase the kingdom. Okay? Because your father is delighted to give it to you because he'll provide. And then this last section here is kind of kingdom seeking on the ground. It's the practicals of it. Right? What does it look like to seek the kingdom instead of the world? We're to live selling and giving rather than earning and keeping. It's this movement from hoarding for ourselves to being a fountain for others. That's what Jesus points to here. The fundamental operating system for those who trust in Jesus, is not keeping wealth, but dispersing it to those in need. Right? That's the rewiring the gospel does. Pause for a second. I, I really know this sounds crazy. <laughs> so if, you're, if I've lost you at some point in this, where you're like, what are you talking about? Just sell everything that I've been working so hard to get and just give it away, right? And I know you're, you're, my mind can go a hundred different ways. The Bible says that you need to be a hard worker. The Bible says you need to provide for your family. There are all of these like parts of the Bible that are still true. But, but Jesus is talking about the heart here. Jesus is talking about the fundal, fundamental drive of your heart. Is it just to build your kingdom here or is it something bigger? Is it his kingdom? That's what he wants. And so selling and giving is just the, the, the fruition of that. It's the movie. If you live this way, if you open your hands and you use your things to bless people, church, this is what Jesus says, you are not losing. He says you're gaining. That went another layer crazier, right? He doesn't just go lose, it, lose, its worth, you know, lose something because it's worth it. He goes, actually, in this trade, you're gaining. You're buying comforts in a realm that will last forever. You're investing in a kingdom that will never fall. Whatever kingdom you or I build will fall. Jesus's won't. Right? That's the argument. He, he, he points here that the treasures in the kingdom won't wear out. Right? They never fail. There's no, there's no thief that comes and takes them away. You, it doesn't go bad like it can go bad here. You're gaining. You're securing your treasures. You're making them safer, you know. So I just, hear me, selling and giving should not enter your mind as a loss. Oh man, I need to lose, you know, Jesus told me just to give away my life and I'm just losing, you know, but whatever, right? It's not, it doesn't enter the, the as a red line item. <laughs> it's a green line item. It's an increase, so, so here, it gets really, although it sounds crazy, it actually gets really practical and simple to me. Investing is about pursuing the greatest reward. Jesus goes, I got a better investment for you. That, that's what he says here. I, I have a better investment for you. The kingdom of heaven is unmatched in its return. It's unshakable. That bank never goes out of business. 
it's insured beyond 250000 right? That's his argument, that there's nothing comparable to the return on investment for seeking the kingdom, for those treasures. You will not lose, church. The world will say you're losing. You sell and give, the world will say you're losing. And Jesus, it's a lie. You're not losing. You're gaining. Set aside in the moment for long-term, eternal joy, blessing, treasure. That's what investing is. I don't know how many of you invest. You set aside, right? I have I, you know, money coming out of my paycheck, going into the IRA or whatever. I don't have it today. You know, I could buy something today if I had it, but I know I got a plan for long term, right? Jesus goes, you got, you know, 50 years, 70 years, whatever you got here, set it aside for a little bit and the return will be amazing. It's worth it, church. This is the architect of the universe saying it's worth it. This is not some podcast. This is not some TED talk. This is the architect of all that exists. Okay? <laughs> the eternal one. So, this is, I was thinking about this. You could, um, you could, you get a thousand beggar on Wall Street a thousand times in a row. It would be incomparable to the riches of, of Jesus in heaven. You could, um, you could walk you could fly to Vegas tonight, bring a million dollars, and hit blackjack a million times in a row. Jesus goes, heaven still wins. Because <laughs> what is it? You could get every dollar that's on the planet today, but in 70 years, it's gone. Of course it wins. Of course it's better. Store up your treasures in heaven because they will not fail you like this world will. Then Jesus closes here uh, in 34. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The last line is just a heart check. Because this passage, um, it's not about buying salvation. (laughs) It's not that at all. It's not about earning God's love. You don't just sell and give and then all of a sudden you're in the kingdom. But Jesus says, with your money, it will help you locate what you actually treasure where your heart actually is. If you want to know why are you following Jesus, right? Go back to the beginning. Jesus says, well, you'll find that answer when you look at what you treasure. He's, he's going at our hearts. Do you pursue his kingdom rather than yours? Do you, do you store up treasures for the next life and not this life? If you don't pursue those things, if no part of your life does that, Jesus would just say, well, if you don't pursue the kingdom, maybe you don't want the kingdom. Maybe it's as simple as that. Maybe you're following Jesus because you think he'll build your kingdom here. Or maybe you're just doing it because there's some friends here. And listen, I'm not saying just don't come back. I'm saying press in further, right? This is not fall off. This is a double down, (laughs) okay? If you don't pursue the kingdom, you don't want the kingdom. And Jesus says you can't serve God and money. You have to choose. Either your heart is with God or it's with money. Either you're building this kingdom or you're pursuing the next. You, your heart has to choose. And Jesus is trying to just tell you choosing him is better, church. It's better. No matter what you see on the way home, no matter you know what pressures come to your mind, Seeking the kingdom is better. I wish people, I wish, I need to tell myself that every morning when I wake up and every time I'm in my car. Like, I need to hear this all the time. It's rare. We don't, we don't talk this way a lot, or I don't. I want to close by circling two things. Your heart and your hands. First, caveats, the Bible never teaches that accumulating wealth is a bad thing. Okay, so... If you hear me saying that, I'm not, Jesus isn't, accumulating wealth is not a bad thing. Uh, Example, Lydia uh, in in the New Testament is in Philippi, and she helps, she's wealthy, and she helps fund Paul's ministry. She, her her house is a blessing to the church. She's, She's wealthy. She accumulated wealth. But she sought the kingdom, and you know what? Oh, how many people are going to be in heaven 
because Lydia sought the kingdom instead of her own? How many people are going to go from death to life because she valued heaven more than her own comforts here? So accumulating wealth is not bad at all, okay? Uh, The material world is not bad. There's just something better. There's something better. It has to be in the right priority. It's not ultimate. God is. Then he wants to use it. When I say, um, when I started by saying, hey, are you, are you surrendering every part of your life to Jesus? There is, he promises you that it's, that he'll meet you there. He promises that as you lay it down, as you say, God, I'm going to trust you, that he'll meet you there, that his spirit will guide you, that his word will speak to you, that his church will comfort you. It's a hard road, but he says, I'm with you in it. Your heart's primary focus should be the Lord and not this life. Today, like this text, Jesus talks about the heart all the time. Today in this text, it's about money. He applies that principle to money. And he applies it to a million things. Just He wants all of you. He wants all of me. And so I would just, I would ask you, even as you leave, are you surrendered? Ask that question. Don't be afraid of it. Don't silence your heart to it. Press into it. When we're worried about the stuff of this life, it just should be an alert for you and me. It should be a yellow flag, maybe a red flag. We're not trusting in God fully. We're putting too much stock here rather than there. We don't believe he'll provide. We don't believe he wants to give us good things. It's an alert. Jesus just said, trace it back and speak truth back to it. Don't just consume those lies. Just talk back. So this is about your heart, first and foremost. Second, uh, I want to close by just thinking about some practical ways to seek the kingdom here. He's, I want this to be more than a principle. I, I, I really think, um, I was talking to somebody on Friday, and I was like, you know, we hear sell and give, and we think, man, what did Jesus mean by that? And maybe he just meant sell and give. Like, maybe Jesus is like, I felt like I was pretty clear there. You know, like, I don't know how to be much clearer. Sell and give, you know. Uh, but but there's, there is nuance. Um, and there's, this is not a one-size-fits-all. That's why it's kind of broad. The Spirit has to lead each one of us to seek the kingdom, however that looks. Okay? To make that our fundamental push. But I, I'm just going to give you a, a few examples um, that Hannah and I were, were talking about this week. Um, thinking about doing. So, first... Again, really practical word here, sell and give. I was just convicted that we sell things on Facebook Marketplace all the time. Uh, and honestly, I was convicted that I don't, I don't know if we've ever sold things just to be generous to people in need. Like it's always we're selling it and either it just goes into our bank account or we, we're upgrading something. We're trading it for something else. That's where's, where's my heart, where's my treasure kind of. I mean, that, the Lord's hitting me on that. Um, so we talked about, hey, what if routinely, quarterly or something, we just walk through our house. And, and I'm not talking like a garage sale, again, to fund our own stuff. I just, what would it look like to just sell some stuff and give it to, to people in need? Just say, God, I want to have a reminder, kind of a rhythm, rhythmic reminder that I want to seek the kingdom. And I don't want to just get comfy here. That's one. You just take some stuff and sell it and give it to people in need. Right? That's, I don't think, too complicated. Um, the second... We have money in the stock market, and um, I check it every day. Not like crazy, but I have the stocks app, and I open the stocks app. Um, and I was just convicted partly through Ross's sermon last week. Like, I, I should just delete that app because it's not reminding me of the truth. It's inviting me to, to, to chase this life. I just need to, for me, this is not if you have the stocks app, you're evil. It's just for me, these are practicals. Uh, I'm gonna, I deleted the app. It's like I don't need to be consumed in that. Uh, we don't even, I don't even move stuff ever. I just check it. Uh, it's not like I'm day trading. Um, and so I deleted the app. And then Hannah had this crazy idea. Um, she's like, hey, what if, what if we take the, the annual profits from our stocks and give them away? And I think she was scared to tell me that. I was scared to brainstorm that. Uh, shame on me. But uh, I, I actually love the idea. Um, and we don't... For us, we don't have a small amount in the stock market. We're not talking about pennies. We're talking about most of our life saving. So uh, um, not our retirement, just our, just our stocks. 
but I love it. I have this, I have this, again, this is not a loss. If I actually believe that investing in the kingdom is a better investment, all that money is, isn't, is an investment. I'm trying to get a good return. Jesus says, I got a better one for you. So we, yeah, we talked about what would it look like to just defer that and trust the Lord. That's a big one, but I, I just want to stretch the category up. It can be big. There are people in the New Testament that sell everything they have and just give it. They sell their houses. They sell land. They, you know, like, you can think big. This isn't just, you know, it can be the Facebook thing. I would, uh, that's there, but it also can be pretty large. Um, third, I'm looking, we're looking at our budgets. I'm, I'm kind of like a, uh, an extreme budgeter. Um, it's a game to me, and I like it. And um, I was convicted just that, we need to funnel less of our money to ourselves and more to the kingdom. Just, you know, that's just a re- just sit back down, look at the money, look at what we spend and say, can we invest more in the kingdom? Can we seek the kingdom more with our money? Um, and <laughs> typically this is how we do it. We, we fund everything in the month. So this is, I get, we get the paychecks, we fund everything in the month. And at the end of the month, if we have a surplus, uh, we start funding for like our wish list. Okay, so we have things like recently it was like, hey, we need to get a minivan. Um, and, but sometimes it's vacations or a bigger house or a new grill uh, or, you know, like AirPods Pro, right? Like we just have a list. And it's like, okay, well, when everything else is paid for and we have some left over, we just we kind of put in order what we want. And to my shame, hear me, that wish list is all for us, basically. Where your treasure is, your heart is. Right? Like that, that's why I said just punch me in the face this week. I was like, our wish list if we had all the money in the world, what would we get is all stuff for us. Like, man, that's, that's um, just convicting. Again, I mean, just think about that. And so some of this practically was just a simple sit down and rewrite the wish list. I'm not doing this to earn God's love. I just, I feel that I got to want to follow you here. Some, sometimes we'll say, hey, you know, I don't, my heart's not there. So I'm not going to do that kind of stuff right now. I don't want to just force it. I don't want to. Um, and I would say, I would say the therefore, if your heart isn't here, the therefore that Jesus gives is not, we'll just wait until it is. It's, man, question your heart heavy. Don't just be like, well, I don't really, you know, I got to wait until I feel like it. He says, it's a, it's a red flag if you don't feel like seeking the kingdom. Not the practicals of what you give, all that kind of stuff. I'm just saying if, you're, if your drive isn't for the Jesus, sit down and think about it. So for me, that's, that was this. That's the wish list. I'm saying how can we have a wish list that has more of the gospel in focus? And listen, we're still going to go on vacation. We're still going to go out to eat. We still have our house. I, I'm not, for us, I don't feel conviction about those things directly, although that will get part of this conversation. So I'm not, I'm not like... You'll see us out to eat, and you'll just come scream like, liar! Uh, I'm not saying that. Um, but I, I am saying we're really seriously thinking about this and trying to think, how can we be different? How can we chase the kingdom? How can we put our hearts there? How can we bet everything we have on the Lord? So I want to encourage you. I mean, I've said this a few times. Sit down on your way home, whatever. Sit down and ask, are you fully surrendered to Jesus? And then I, I would encourage you to brainstorm big ways to seek him with your money, to seek salvation, to build into eternity more than to hear. The, sorry, I guess final word. If you, if you have money, you just have money sitting around and you're thinking, I don't know anyone in need, which sounds ridiculous, but there's also, there, we live in a wealthy place. We're not just surrounded by people dying of starvation, right? Although that's there, but it's a smaller subset here. Um, I would say, if you're looking for people in need, um, first I'd point you to the Schmitz and Beth Lane, right? Just heard from the Schmitz, Beth Lane last week. They are going overseas to spread the gospel, to seek his kingdom, his will be done, the salvation of people across the world. And they're, they're underfunded. I can say this, <laughs> like they, have to be, they have to be more tactful. They're underfunded, both of them, you know, both families. They need, your, they need givings. That's an easy place to go. They need lump sums. So it's just like a one-time thing. They need routine giving. They go there. Second, if, you, if you're looking for people in need, this church needs money. <laughs> so I, uh, I'm not on staff, which means I don't get any dollar that you give here. I, none of it comes to me. So this is not just, hey, I want a bigger paycheck. But I know the budget. <laughs> and we need more money. 
So we're about to move to a new building. Rents are going to go up. It would have gone up either way, but uh, we just have more expenses coming. We need more, and we're already, like our pastors, defer money for the kingdom. Praise God. Uh, so you could give here <laughs> more. You give more. You could start giving if you haven't given. Um, and then also I just say pray. Lift up, lift up to the Lord and say, God, who around me is in need? Are there coworkers, neighbors, people, people who are struggling? Whatever it is, the Spirit loves leading us towards those opportunities. Church, I had this vision all week. As I was thinking about this, I just had this vision about what would it actually look like if all people's church were handled money radically different than the world? Can you imagine walking into a place where just the, the shiny things didn't have their grip on us? Because we knew there was something better? That's, that's the vision I have. Not a bunch of people scared to, to enjoy life. Good gifts. God gives good gifts to us. I believe in seeking the kingdom radically and celebrating really well, partying really well. Okay? Both, I think, tell the story of the gospel. But let's, let's be a people. What if we were just a people that said, I'm going to quit this race of materialism. That's why he and I sat down real world and just said, how are we going to do this? What does it look like to just push away from that a bit and say, we want Jesus more? Church, everything that we put in, every way that we seek the Lord is never going to be wasted. You will never look like a fool. Maybe to this world, but not to God. Not to God. And so it's just worth it. I just want you to hear it's worth it. I want you to hear he can provide for you. He's eager and delighted to give you his kingdom. He's going to crown you with a heart full of joy. Seek those treasures, church. I'm going to pray. God, thank you for um, all of the hope we have. All of the power that the gospel brings to us. And I do pray for freedom here. I pray that from my heart, God, I'd just be less drawn to build my kingdom. Pray for each of us, God, that we, we would really think about this, really question, are we, are we seeking your kingdom or are we just being the rich fool? God, did we just start making some money and we just started keeping it for ourselves and we started buying more nice things and we just, the only focus was ourselves. God, may we not be that way. And where I have, where we have, God, I just pray that you'd kill that. It's not the better road. Thank you, God, for, for speaking into us, to, for loving us in this way, to offering us something bigger and better. We praise you. We look to you. In Jesus' awesome and mighty name, amen. Amen.